Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Well, welcome. Brenda and I are glad you've joined us today. And as we continue in a series of stories about life's journeys, the way God takes us through life's sometimes difficult paths, we want to begin by reviewing some of the thoughts from our last lesson. The two spies, as they come into the land, are sent out by Joshua to spy out the land, but especially Jericho. And when they come to Jericho, they go to the house of Rahab the prostitute, and she gives them shelter, and she protects them from the king's guard who are sent to try to find them. And they said, we are bound by an oath, for we've taken only if you follow these instructions. We're going to be bound by this oath, but you've got to follow these instructions. And Rahab responds, I accept your turns. And and she sent them out on their way, the scarlet rope hanging from the window ledge. She must trust that God will protect her as well as the members of her family. And she must obey the instructions given to her. The, the scarlet rope is now in the window And her family will be in her home with her when the army of Israel comes against Jericho. You know, as I'm thinking my way through this, Rahab demonstrates such amazing faith. Consider this. She doesn't have the written Torah. She's never sat under the teaching of God's law of Moses. She hasn't been there to see miracle after miracle that happened in the wilderness. All of this comes to her by secondhand reports of how God miraculously led them out of Egypt. And he gave them a number of victories in the wilderness. And as the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River, God stops the flow of the river in flood stage. And once again, his people cross on dry land, just like they crossed at the Red Sea many years ago with Moses as their leader. Now God confirms Joshua as their leader with this miracle. And God continues to prepare them for the first battle against a walled city. You know, as you, even as you say that, Walt, I, it is amazing, right, to think that God has obviously touched the heart of this woman and that step of faith. Um, and we're going to talk that, uh, more about that today, and we're going to see that it truly was a gift that God gave to her and her heart was turned toward God. Well, let's look in our Bibles now at Joshua 6 starting in verse 1, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. And these gates to this walled city were shut. They were bolted. There were guards at them. No one was going out of the city any longer, and no one was coming in. And well, this, I mean, this city was a trade city, right? It was on the path. It was on the Jordan River. They were used to um, different tradesmen coming in and out as they were traveling to Egypt. They were coming from up in the Crescent Valley. And yet here they have closed these gates. There is great fear. And remember, even last week, Rahab told us in Joshua 2 that the two spies, when they came to her, she said, the people are filled with great fear. There's fear in their hearts. We are melting like wax. 
Well, we know from Joshua chapter 5 that the commander of the Lord's army, this is actually God Almighty, met with Joshua after they had crossed the Jordan River. And he gives specific instructions that night to Joshua. The battle strategy is very unusual. And he says, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. But then God goes on to tell Joshua how this battle will be won and what they must do. I've given you Jericho in victory. Well, inside the closed gates of Jericho, the people are filled with fear. What's going to happen? No longer is Israel across on the other side of the Jordan River. Remember, they were in the plains of Shittim last week, but now they've come across and they are on this side of the Jordan River, but they're not doing anything. They're just camped. And so Jericho is watching. The guards are up on the top of the gate of the wall. They're watching. The gates are guarded. They're wondering. They're waiting. Yet inside one house, located on the city wall, Rahab and her family members have gathered together. How will this battle unfold? And oh, the scarlet cord hangs out the window and down the exterior wall. You know, I love as Joshua calls the priests and gives them specific instructions for the battle march. This is a bizarre military strategy. Let's just admit that up front. The, the priests are to carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Oh, that makes sense because that symbolizes the presence of God in their midst. And seven priests are to walk in front, blowing ram's horn. Today, they're known as a shafar, and they're used in Jewish worship, even to this day. And then there'll be armed men that will march in front of the priests, and also armed men that march behind the Ark of the Covenant. So when do we attack? Well, Joshua commanded, do not shout, do not even talk, not a single word. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the city once that day, And then everyone returned to spend night in the camp. And the people on the wall must have said, what was that all about? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and all of a sudden it was night it was dark i mean they must have been wondering is this is this to is there going to be a surprise attack but now israel and joshua they rise early the next morning and joshua instructs them to follow the same procession on day 2 that they did on day 1 so the priests carry the ark of the lord the seven priests with ram's horns, they march in front of the Ark of the Lord. They are blowing their horns. And again, the armed men march in front of the priests with the horns, and they march behind the Ark of the Lord. And Joshua 6, 14 says, on the second day, they again marched around the city once, one time, and then they returned to the camp, to Israel's camp, And then they followed this pattern for six days. One, two, three, four, five, six days. What is the purpose of this parade around the city? Why is God asking Israel to do this? What in the world is going through the minds of people in Jericho? And after the six days, perhaps the people of Jericho are becoming more sure and they're feeling more confident that their fortified walls would protect them. And they probably maybe began to jeer at the Israelites walking around. I mean, we're talking about a procedure that probably took less than three hours for them to walk from where they were camped, 
go around the city walls, and then walk back home. And meanwhile, the people are saying, well, what are they doing? Uh, Is this group of madmen that march around the city and don't say a thing and don't try to scare us with their their priests blowing their ram's horns? Are, Are these people crazy? This is not how you fight a real battle. Because siege warfare during this time involved a couple of different strategies. One was involved in tunneling under the walls to destabilize the walls. And another involved rising up siege engines, tall towers from which your archers can battle the city defenders at the same level. And certainly the people of Israel, they don't know how to attack and conquer this walled city, or so the the inhabitants think. But then, on day seven, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the city as they had done before. But this time, not just once. This time they walked around seven times. And what was the response up on the wall of Jericho? Again, when the people of Jericho are thinking, what are they doing? They just keep walking around the wall again and again. But something changes. The seventh time around on the seventh day, and by the way, seven is an important number in in Hebrew theology. The seven is complete. It's complete. It's done. The priests sound the horns with long blasts of their horns, and Joshua commands the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And Joshua gave very specific instructions pertaining to this battle. He said, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. This city needs to be razed to the ground. And everything made from silver or gold or bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord must be brought into the Lord's treasury. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could, And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords. Men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, goats, donkeys, everything was destroyed. But remember, there's still that scarlet cord hanging from a window on one part of the city wall. Yes, and there's a woman She's trusting in the oath. She's trusting in the promise that was made to her by two spies a few weeks earlier when she had protected them from the king's guards. Joshua turned and he said, only Rahab the prostitutes and others in her house will be spared for she protected our spies. And with that, he told the two spies, keep your promise, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all of her family. You know, it's interesting to think at this point that Joshua in the midst of a battle, I mean, the walls of Jericho have just crumbled. The people are shouting and yelling and Joshua as the commander and the leader of Israel people, he turns to the spies. I mean, you almost get the feeling that that particular day, Joshua told those two spies, I want you to stay one on my right side and one on my left side, because when this all happens, when it all comes down, I'm going to give you instructions because I want you to keep your promise to this woman. She kept you safe. And I always wonder, uh, Rahab's family, her relatives, the scriptures tell us her father, mother, brothers, sisters came into her house and they were 
they had to stay there. They weren't allowed to leave her house. They had to stay there and trust, trust that these men would be true. And you know, God desires, um, when we talk about head to heart, he desires that his people keep their promises. And we must think long and hard about those words that we're going to speak. Um, don't make a promise without carefully considering um, making that sincere commitment. It's, it's to be taken as something that you will follow through on. Are you known as a person who will keep her promises, his promises? Are you true to your word? You know, I feel a little convicted because I, I think generally I am, but am I always really consistent in that? Well, in this seven-day confrontation, Joshua has commanded the people just as the commander of the Lord's army, God Almighty, had instructed him. And the people obeyed, even though their actions appeared to be foolish for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, the Lord rewarded their faithful obedience. They marched around the city seven times. They sound the ram horn. They shout as loud as they could. And and the walls came a-dumbling down. And then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things that were made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies that Joshua sent into Jericho. And and even as we talk about these two spies, you know, it's interesting. They do keep their promise to Rahab. And and I'd love, even as we get to this point, um, Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people of her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. That's Hebrews 11.31. And Hebrews 11 is is often called, the uh, the whole chapter is called the Hall of Faith. And the word faith is used uh, in some form or another 24 times in this chapter. 24 times. And not one person listed here is perfect. They were all flawed, every single one of them. We are all flawed. They made mistakes and they sinned and and went against God's commands like we do. And I've even heard you speak on Hebrews 11 in the past, Walt, and you you change it to even saying the hall of flawed faith and what we can learn from those people. Yeah, and and what's interesting is some of the people that aren't mentioned in that, Rahab the harlot is mentioned. I mean, there it is in big, bold letters, but... Some of the the great heroes of the faith, Isaiah, Daniel, some of the, the, the people that aren't mentioned almost makes as much challenge because those were far less publicly flawed people. And this brings about a head to heart. Um, we all are broken. We all have flaws. We all have sinned, the book of Romans tells us, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that we all have character flaws. But in the midst of life's journeys, this woman, Rahab, is from such a, 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 a crummy background. I mean, this woman is such a wonderful reminder to each of us that God is filled with mercy and grace. And as we seek him, even as little as she knew about the Lord, she was seeking him and she wanted to, to, to be loyal to him. 
then a personal relationship with the one true God of heaven and earth, the Lord God Almighty. He will draw each of us to himself. You know, and as you share, um, well, that head to heart, you know, I'm reminded a couple of my favorite verses that are found in Jeremiah 29, um, 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that just seems so true of Rahab. You know, she she wasn't sure who she was calling to, but she knew there was something about the one true God of heaven and earth. And, and Brenda, even as you, you read that, um, I'm reminded, before I was a Christian, my sister, older sister Ruth, was witnessing to me, and she quoted these two verses and said, Walt, you just keep seeking. You just keep going after, and, and God will reveal himself to you. And about a year later, he did, but I still remember her praying that over me. Um, and, and that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful application of this. Yeah, it is. And, and such a comforting verse that, you know, we might not have all the answers, but if we just keep crying out to him, call on him, pray to him, seek him, he, he will reveal himself to us. He will reveal his word and the truth to us. Rahab is such an unlikely woman to come and walk with God. She sure is. And yet, yet she hears, she hears about his miraculous work at the Red Sea and in the wilderness through those years. She hears testimony of God's provision and care for this people of Israel. And while on the rooftop, Joshua 2.11 tells us Rahab declared, she declared to the two spies, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. You know, uh, I, I have a, a dear friend, Tessa Afshar. We've done some ministry, some women's events together in the past. She wrote a book, Pearl in the Sand. Um, Moody just did the 10th year um, version of it. She did some updates in the book. It is a beautiful historical fiction story about Rahab. It prevent, it presents to us God's redemptive grace and the divine healing he offers when we bring our brokenness to him, when we confess our sin to him, when we bring those flaws and say, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. This book is one of my favorites. I've read it several times, and I encourage you, get a copy of it and read Tessa Afshar, Pearl in the Sand. The maker of heaven and earth desires for every person, for you, for me, to call on him, to pray, to seek him and find him. Until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.